welcome to the Restless Hearts Podcast, a podcast dedicated to spiritual reflections and conversations about our journey together as human beings. I am Father Ray DeLugos, an Augustinian friar serving at Merrimack College as the Vice President for Mission and Ministry. Among the most influential writings of St. Augustine for me is the rule that he composed to guide those joining him in living the common life in his monastery. The rule is a short work, less than 50 paragraphs, divided into eight brief chapters. At the end of the rule, Augustine advises that we who are trying to live our lives as Augustinian friars read the rule aloud at least once a week so that we might start to see ourselves in it as we would see ourselves in a mirror. While there have been lots of weeks that I have not read or heard the rule in the more than 40 years of my Augustinian life, I have also heard it and read it so many times that much of it is committed to memory, but I still don't see myself in it as a mirror. Far, far from it. The older I get and the more I try to live my life according to the rule of Augustine, the more difficult, the more challenging, and the more against the grain of almost everything I am inclined to do it becomes. While the rule calls me to intentionally share my search for God and my journey toward God with my brothers while living in harmony and sharing all things in common, the most challenging aspect of the rule is its call to me and to all of us to treat each other with enormous mercy and compassion. The rule begins by reminding us that the whole point of our lives is to love God and then our neighbor. And while Augustine puts the love of God first in that hierarchy, the rule contains one tiny short chapter on prayer in which he tells us to show up to pray at the right times, not to distract each other from praying, to only sing the parts of our common prayer meant to be sung, and to allow the words that we speak with our lips to penetrate into our hearts so that the love of God can transform us at our depths. Every other word of the rule is about how to love each other. Apparently, the monastery in which Augustine lived had its issues with diversity and all the tension and misunderstanding that can happen when people who do not really know what it is like to live in each other's experience become dismissive, judgmental, condescending, proud, and overly critical. All of which I am so much better at than being truly compassionate. From the context of the rule, it appears that the primary difference among Augustine's brothers were the differences arising from being of different social and economic classes and experiences. Very wealthy people joined the monastery in response to the gospel call to become poor in spirit, and very poor people joined the monastery in response to the gospel call to live for others and not just for themselves. The problem was that it wasn't easy at all for the rich to adapt to the austerity and simplicity of life the monastery demanded. Yet they had made great sacrifices to do just that. Used to lives of privilege and comfort and all the autonomy wealth offers, these rich brothers had a hard time changing their lifestyles and would need a lot of help to do so. For the poor brothers, on the other hand, the common life was often a step up in security and overall well-being. 
they benefited greatly from the sharing of things in common and suddenly finding themselves on equal footing with men who may well have been their employers, their bosses, the owners of the land or businesses in which they worked. It is not hard to see how in those circumstances all kinds of judgments might be directed by each group to the other. Imagining, imagine the giggling of the poor brothers, watching the rich brothers do manual labor for the first time in their lives. Seeing them in unflattering clothing meant not to attract attention, instead of ostentatious tunics and togas proclaiming their rank, and taking great delight in the sights and sounds of their former leaders and bosses, taking orders from someone who may have once worked for them. At the same time, how many formerly wealthy eyes would roll at the lack of table manners, courtesy, civil language, and the ability to read that would be constantly on display among the poorer brothers in the monastery. Augustine almost immediately points out the danger of pride, destroying the humility the monastery was meant to foster by these mutual judgments of how the other group was inferior to those passing those judgments. He points out that comparing ourselves to each other is antithetical to loving our neighbor and instead calls each of us to look at one another, not with comparison and judgment leading to pride, envy, or jealousy, but with the compassion to appreciate what it must really be like to be the person we see as different than ourselves to recognize the struggle they have, which may be different than ours, to see their hearts and their goodness, rather than the defenses they show to protect themselves from being truly seen. Augustine calls his monks then and now to live together in oneness of mind and heart, mutually honoring God in yourselves, whose temples you have become. Augustine calls his monks to carry out their roles of service in the monastery cheerfully and not begrudgingly, to laugh and to smile while serving or preparing food, caring for books and clothing and food, cleaning and other chores in the house, doing it not for credit or attention and certainly not for power, but for the joy of making the lives of others easier. That part of the rule never seemed too important to me. It was too antiquated and foreign from my experience. But more and more it has caught my attention, as I have noticed how easy it is for me to look down upon those who serve in shops and stores, customer service roles of all kinds, and just about everyone out there making a living in whatever ways they can. How much cheer do I bring to them? Or do I expect them to be the ones cheering me up by being as competent as I expect them to be? Compassion just might invite me to see them as human with all kinds of burdens already on their shoulders, and to see how a cheerful smile and an expression of real gratitude might just make their lives a bit easier and my life a bit more joyful. Augustine has a lot of advice in his rule about forgiveness. Like the gospel, but unlike me and perhaps you, he does not start with the expectation that we forgive those who may have harmed us. Rather, he calls us to greater and greater awareness of all the ways in which we might have harmed others without even knowing it. 
it is easy to recall the slights, the insults, the overlookings, and the thoughtlessnesses of others toward us, big and small, and even to let them, most of them go. It is easy to recognize when I am being disrespected, unappreciated, undervalued, underutilized, or taken advantage of. In the close quarters of a monastery, all of that is magnified, not diminished. It is sometimes amusing to hear how men and women who live deep contemplative lives in monasteries where there is hardly any speaking going on, how they find myriads of ways to be annoyed and hurt by each other's actions. In more active, busy lives, we easily get distracted from the damage we may be doing to each other, lost in the cacophony of yelling, demanding, cursing, and belittling going on almost constantly, numbing us to how we are harming others and being harmed ourselves almost without ceasing. The invitation to seek and ask for forgiveness is a doorway to compassion for ourselves and for others, a doorway leading to a more fully human life. But Augustine would caution us about focusing on or even forgiving others for what they have done to us, unless and until we look carefully at how we have almost certainly done the same to them. He asks us to ask for forgiveness frequently, even daily, and to grant forgiveness whenever it is asked for, but not to expect that unless such requests come our way, we are off the hook. Forgiveness can be an act of power, especially when we feel like we hold the cards in granting it or not. But for forgiveness to be an act and experience of compassion, it invites us to see and know how we are as much in need of it from others as we need to offer it to others. One of the most challenging aspects of the rule when it comes to calling us to love our neighbor through real compassion is the section where Augustine addresses the issue of authority and leadership. He makes it clear that leadership is always service to others and invites those in positions of authority to exercise that service with genuine love for the well-being of those they serve, including the need to be hard on them for their own good. But he challenges those being served by those in authority to treat their leaders first with mercy, feeling the weight of responsibility they carry. Again, whether leader or follower, compassion is the name of the game. Leaders lead with compassion, feeling the needs of those under authority acutely, understanding their difficulties and limitations as well as their gifts, to see that although we may have the responsibility of leadership, we are also the companions of those who follow our lead on this journey through life to our shared final destination and home. And followers are called to have great compassion, even mercy for their leaders and so be motivated to ease the burdens of leadership as much as possible. Someone who is both in a position of authority and subject to the authority of others. Both of these are very loud wake-up calls for me. This has been a reflection on compassion, the fourth theme of the Augustinian examine. It didn't exactly go where I thought it would. I thought it was going to be much more about seeing and feeling the pains of those 
who are the least among us. Feeling the terror of the sick and the strangers among us. Knowing the insecurity and fear of the poor. About noticing the invisible folks we don't usually notice. And respectfully raising my awareness that everyone is carrying something. And most of us don't want anyone to know what it is. But that those burdens join us more closely together than any service we render to one another. All of that is important. Our hearts will be broken by just about everyone we encounter if we really wanted to know and to care about what it is like to be them. And everyone else's heart will probably be broken with each of our true and real stories. But instead, this reflection took me into my everyday life that happens within the walls of my house, in the halls and offices and meetings at Merrimack College, where when we're there, we jostle and compete with each other because we need each other so much. And in some of the relationships, relationships of my life, where compassion has been the last thing I thought was called for. As I said, I seem to get farther and farther away from seeing myself in the mirror of the rule of St. Augustine. And so probably need to read it more often, maybe even once a week. But reading it and living it are two different things. I need to live it, not just read it. And maybe compassion, like charity, really does need to begin at home. Of course, neither is meant to stay at home, but home still matters. To paraphrase the letter of James from the New Testament, how can we possibly say that we love our brothers and sisters that we cannot see if we don't love those that we see all the time in very close proximity to us? Thanks for listening. Peace and blessings on all of you.